1: Rothbard. Hello
0: and welcome to the next episode of the Actual Anarchy Podcast, brought to you, brought to you by the fine folks at ReadRothbard.com. We run ActualAnarchy.com and ReadRothbard.com. This is the show where we talk about movies from an anarcho-capitalist perspective. And today, we're going to do a show that I did not think we were going to do. We're going to talk about the movie Wolverine, or not the movie Wolverine, the character Wolverine in the movie Logan. Uh, A few episodes back, we did the character to try to ride the coattails of this movie being released because we didn't think that either one of us would have an opportunity to go and see this movie. But Robert was able to get out of his driveway through the snows and the rain and the hail and the storm better than the USPS to get down to some crappy theater and see this, and we have a special guest who has also seen the movie, who can uh, really break it down for us with with Robert and him, with me not seeing it. It's going to be great. So, uh, Robert, how are you doing, man? You ready to do this?
1: Yeah, Power Bottom. I'm doing great, buddy. Thanks a lot. Um, yeah, I did get to go out and see the movie. It was in a shit house theater. Um, the first movie I saw, Kong Skull Island was in this tiny little theater, like a shoebox, and the sound was just amazing. It was way better. And then I go to this other theater that's like down the street a little bit, but they're connected, you know, they're like the same company. And there's this horrific buzzing hum throughout the entire thing. So um, luckily there weren't a whole lot of quiet moments where it was super grating and terrible. But uh yeah, it's terrible. So anyway, uh thanks for listening to another episode of Freedom Nerds. Hope to bring you some good content today. And then over. Over. Uh ten
0: four good buddy, picking up what you're putting down. Uh Kid unit number one is being extracted from the from the L Z at the moment.
1: Oh yes. Why don't we bring on our guests? The yeah, Afro-Libertarian our, himself.
0: The Afro-Libertarian, he has come back to join us. He was on the Reed Rothbard podcast as a guest for our Martin Luther King Day special, and now he's back to talk about Logan, which is a, uh, shall we say, a savage movie. How you doing, Ryan?
2: Yeah, it's definitely savage. I'm uh, glad to be back. glad to be back. Yes, really enjoyed our last talk. And... Uh, this is, this is going to be a little different going from Wonder King to Logan.
1: Yeah, two movies that couldn't be more different. So, looking good. Danny, <laughs> yeah, you got any um, house cleaning type things you want to get out of the way before we dig in? Yeah, well, I just want to... Or children units.
0: No, children unit is, uh, is now out of the office, so we can do a little bit of house cleaning. So, like I was mentioning, we do uh, this show where we talk about movies from a Rothbardian, anarcho-capitalist perspective. We run ActualAnarchy.com, and uh, check out all the new links we've been posting up. We've got over 300 stories on there now. We actually feature uh, Ryan's work on there as well, The afro Libertarian. Just uh, search for that term or click on the little button that says afro Libertarian and you can see all the articles that we post from him. Uh we've got uh Tom Woods Liberty Classroom link, we've got Amazon links, we've got at the very very bottom, scroll all the way down. If you don't have Amazon Prime, click on that box, try it out for free for thirty days. Trust me, you'll love it. We use it all the time out here. Um, it uh saves us so much hassle of driving into town, hunting and pecking, trying to find things at Target or wherever else. Amazon is uh is pretty good. So that's the house cleaning I've got for us, so let's get into this movie,
1: shall we? Yeah. And, uh, spoiler alert, even though this movie just came out, it's been out a week now when we're recording this, we're just gonna spoil the shit out of it, cause, I don't know, it's just more interesting to go along and, uh, describe scene by scene, and that's how we do it. You know, we point out anarchy and, uh, analyze the content from a, uh, a moralist type perspective and any other interesting issues that come up. So I'm just going to give a brief rundown of what the movie is. Um, it's the final supposed movie of Hugh Jackman's Logan career, which spans something like nine movies. Um, uh, it's a really good send-off, in my opinion. Um, of it's, it's in my opinion the best by far. And come at me, bro, if you think differently. Um, X-Men movie. Uh, there have been a few decent X-Men movies, but this is by far, in my opinion, the best. And it only has, well, like three X-Men in it. Um, well, yeah, kind of four. But anyway, so it's a it's an action adventure movie. It's set in 2029, and Logan is this limo driver, and he's just, you know, ferrying about people on their bachelor parties and their whatevers. And, um, then this young mutant comes into his life and it sets off this adventure where they have a destination to go to. And we got some villains that kind of thwart and try to catch up and find and catch this mutant. And is Logan going to protect the kid? Probably. And, um, yeah, that's about the whole plot. It's not complicated. But there is a whole lot that happens in it, and there's some interesting anarchist themes, or at least some moral themes that I I definitely want to dig into. Um, Before we get into each scene by scene, uh, Ryan, do you have any um, opening thoughts just on how well you thought the movie was or acting, that sort of thing?
2: Yeah, no, I, uh, I thought it was terrific. I agree with you. I think it was the best. X-Men universe movie. I think it was, uh, you could, uh, I mean, in my opinion, one of the top comic book movies, you know, yeah all, all the different universes. Uh, and I thought it was probably one of the best movies of the year. I mean, it's early, still early in the year, but I think it's going to end up being one of the better movies of the year. I think if it came out late in the year, it would get some Oscar talk. You know, I don't know if it would win anything, but it would get some Oscar talk, especially considering uh, Hugh Jackman, and Patrick Stewart's performance, which I thought was just, I thought they just destroyed it. They were ridiculous. I thought, I always liked Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I thought he did about as good as the script would allow him to in other X-Men movies. But I just, I always had a feeling, this, this aggravating feeling like, oh, uh, it's just not the Wolverine I know. I mean, I've collected comic books since the 80s up until about, you know, the mid-90s or whatever. So I, you know, I was a big Wolverine fan and I thought they came close, but it just wasn't, it wasn't there, you know? And even in, and especially in the solo movies, which you would think Wolverine's such a popular character worldwide, they just never could really get it right in his, in, especially X-Men Origins Wolverine, which was one of the worst movies ever. And, uh, the Wolverine, which was released a couple years ago by the same director, uh, Mangold, who did this movie, which was a pretty, I thought it was a good movie, but it wasn't. It still, you you could tell the studios kind of screwed it up, you know, intervening in the story. But this one, I felt like it was a Logan, it was a Wolverine. This was the Wolverine we've all been waiting for. You know, this was, you know, it wasn't a complicated story. It didn't care about the previous X-Men movies. It didn't care about the overall interconnected universe. It just was a Logan movie here's the story, it's not a complicated story, Logan is badass, and, you know, we have all these complicated issues within the story that make you actually care. Like, you know, if you go, you know, I love Avengers, Avengers and all those movies, but, you know, you kind of get tired of the whole the world is about to be annihilated plotline. Mm-hmm. you know? And, and it's funny, even with this movie, even though it only dealt with a few individuals, the stakes felt higher. You know, you actually feared for death, you know, where yeah. you, know, you, you have these cities blowing up on, you know, Avengers and other X-Men movies. And it's like, eh, who cares? You know? <laughs> the yeah, yeah, up. that was
1: right. This is one thing that this movie really got right is because, first of all, you don't have like just these super invincible characters. Everybody felt like in danger, you know, wow. and this is a movie that really benefited if you're talking about an X ex- or a Wolverine solo movie, because Wolverine's such a brutal, violent character who's just you know cutting limbs off and whatever, I think it finally we get an R-rated movie that really, this movie really benefited from that R rating. Yes. Uh, um I wanted the Wolverine movie that you're talking about just came out a couple of years ago to have been R-rated. And I think there's an R-rated cut, but I've never seen it. Um, but this movie, I mean, with all the swearing and just the brutal action. It really benefited from it. You really get the sense that this is this is Wolverine, Um, and I really appreciate that they gave us an older Wolverine. That he's like, I mean, you watch him in the movie, and he's like always got a limp, and he's like stumbling around, and especially towards the end, he's just like lumbering.
2: (laughs) He's really really messed up. And it's so it's it's just amazing. It's it's like, man, this is Wolverine, you know, the guy that you know could take bullets to the chest, flinch him off. You know, but now nah, he's just beat. He's, you know, he's working for Uber, you know. Driving, yeah. <laughs> you know, driving yeah. around his limo, you know, just trying to make a buck. And, like, in any other X-Men movie, like, money wasn't even mentioned. Like, they would buy a new jet. Like, where did all that money come from? We didn't even hear about money. But now, you know, Logan's hustling, trying to save up money to buy a boat, you know. Yeah. Buying, buying steroids from some shady guy in the back of a hospital. is like... <laughs> Like, yeah, it's kind of a, like a really,
1: yeah, it's like a real grounded movie, and it lets you really get emotionally connected to this character, because in action uh, movies, generally, I mean, you know, they're kind of like outcasts and whatever, but you don't really get a sense of, like, they're people with real problems. This is a Logan who's struggling to just survive, really. He's, he's got a job he works. He's trying to save up some money. Everybody can identify with that, trying to save up, scrap up some money to get a thing that they want. Yeah, it's... Compared to, I mean, you can't really identify with, oh, there's some world-ending event, and you got to go stop it. I mean, as much as I love those kind of movies, when they're well done, you can't really identify with that, because who has to deal with that? I mean, nobody has to deal with that. But in this movie, you got a really personal, intimate story A very – I mean, they're super-powered characters that can take a lot of damage, but every time they get hurt, you know, it feels like there's consequences, and you get a sense that Logan – he doesn't really want he doesn't want to get into these brutal violent confrontations. He just wants to live his life and get on his boat and live sail out in the ocean. He doesn't you know, he doesn't want to deal with any of this shit. So uh He's
2: tired, man. He's tired. Like the guy was yeah. born in like eighteen forty. <laughs> he's fought like yeah. the Civil War, he's fought the the Spanish War, World War One, Two, you know, Vietnam. He's just like, you know what, I just wanna go live on a boat and die eventually. You know, just leave me alone. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it really gave us a really human level of these characters and uh yeah, I, by far uh, the best uh X-movie and uh, I think you're right and uh, it's it's this is one of those movies that probably won't get a whole lot of Oscar talk just because it's a comic book movie, but really should uh Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman kill it. Um even the the little girl, um what's yeah. her name? Uh
2: Daphne Daphne
1: Keen. I thought she was really good. I mean, she, as for a kid actor, she did a fantastic job in all the her action scenes. it really, I mean, I mean, she probably had stunt doubles and whatever, but it really, it looked like it was her. And um, it, they made it fight like a little kid would fight. I mean, she wasn't just like super overpowering everybody. She was like doing these little, like, little ninja moves and moving out of the way and getting between. Them. Like she's like, a little small character, so she's fighting these big mercenary guys.
2: Ah, is good,
1: good stuff. Yeah, no total, total little badass. So, okay, Daniel, do you have any thoughts? I know you haven't seen the movie, but before we get into each scene,
0: yeah, I'll just throw a couple of things in there. It's kind of sad to to think that this is Hugh Jackman's last, because when I think of of Wolverine and him, like they they just go together. Um, but to your point, you know, and I haven't seen this one, but in the previous ones, it seemed like he was playing almost the uh, cartoon version of the X Men Wolverine when we were growing up. Where, yeah. you know, it is PG or PG-13, so there's not a whole lot of swearing. I mean, he's, of course, you know, still volatile and angry and, and willing to fight anybody. At, you know, his, his fuse is super short, you know, shorter than like a feminist fuse. And, <laughs> uh, you know, to, to to now have this r version of it, I think it's uh, it's probably, like you were saying, a very nice send-off. And I also wanted to mention that, you know, we brought Ryan on, not only because you were a great guest last time, but... Because Robert and I did a show about Wolverine as a character, like I mentioned in the opening. But then um, you wrote in the Tom Woods group about how amazing this movie was, and you started this big thread about it. You were excited about it, and I was like, "Damn it, we got to do it. We got to do this show." So I said to Robert, "Ryan has seen this. It's awesome. He loves it. He's enthusiastic about it. So if you get a chance, go see it." And here we are. Yes. Right.
1: Okay, so Logan, um, it's the near future, 2029, and the very first scene we get is he's a limo driver, and he's like sleeping in the back of his limo, and he's like at a rest stop, and some guys are stealing his hubcaps, and he's like, fuck. So he gets out of his car, and he's like, guys, those are chrome lug nuts. Don't, you're going to strip them. Don't stop. And one of the guys just pulls out like the shotgun and shoots him in the chest. And of course we know he's Wolverine. So he gets back up and like they shoot him some more times and then they just start beating on him. And at that point, you know, he can't take it anymore. And he just starts chopping some limbs off and he ends up killing a whole bunch of them. And um, I thought it was funny. He cares, like, about the property. Like, he knows he can heal, but they're, they go to shoot the car or, like – and then he, like, kind of jumps in front of the bullets.
2: Yeah. So, like, stop the car. This is valuable. This is, like, the most valuable thing I own. Stop. Yeah, it's like I think they were about to shoot the gas tank or something. I don't know. He's like, no, and he jumps in front of the car. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, that's my moneymaker, you know?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, they're messing with his livelihood there. Um I, hey, I didn't have I any issues. Can I uh, I, I heard. A sure.
0: Why
2: are these guys stealing hubcaps if they've got shotguns?
0: Like, are cars super valuable in this uh, future age or what's going on? No, with
2: this? I mean, these are like some 24 inch chrome rims that are probably worth, you know, $8,000, you know? So, all oh, uh,
0: right. So <laughs> these, these are Snoop or Dre rims. This yeah. Is like,
2: was, like, the car was like totally pimped out. You know, it was like a, uh, like a limo, like a, Cadillac limo and it was sitting on these big rims, you know. So, all right, these, all right, these were valuable. All right, <laughs> I'll just,
0: I'll just get out the way then. I haven't seen this, so I'll shut the fuck up.
1: <laughs> okay, so, so I heard some people talk about this scene and describe it as murder, but I had no problem with this. I thought, I thought Logan was purely in self-defense. I mean, he just stands there. He's just standing there and he gets shot. So, and then after that, I think all bets are off and he can do whatever the fuck he wants to defend himself or defend his property. Uh, Ryan, did you have any issues at all? Did you think it was murder? I thought it was pure self-defense. What do you think?
2: No, I mean, he even showed restraint. Like, he got shot and it was, what was, I mean, it, the point of that was to show you how different this, this Wolverine was from previous ones because when he got shot, like, he looked hurt. He was on the ground for a while and he was like, oh, where in previous movie he'd get shot and like, He'll show you it's, he, how fast it heals up then smile at you. You know, nah, he was hurt and he got up like, Oh, please guys like he kept trying to give him a chance, just leave me alone, leave the car alone. Like, you know, and then it just got then he just started stumping him out like you never seen Wolverine just get stumped out. <laughs> They're just Right, yeah, this is him.
1: like a Wolverine, yeah, that was just if you got five, six, seven guys all kicking him at once, he really can't do a whole lot. I mean he's not he's a strong guy, but he's not like super strong that he can and just that, throw people off like the Hulk or something.
2: And then he, uh you know, he goes to, you know, the, the classic snick, to, you know, to let the claws out, and one of the claws are stuck, and he has to, like, pull it out because it's all rusted and, <laughs> Oh, know, man, I love
1: that. Yeah, <laughs> it was so gritty and grimy. It was like it came out all slow. It was like, yeah. <laughs> it was, like, so perfect.
2: Like, oh, my goodness, he can't even whip out the claws fast anymore, you know. But, you know, he whips him out and then he, you know, he goes to slicing and dicing, which, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, that was self-defense. The guys that had guns, he was obviously hurt, you know, so his life was in danger. So, I mean. Anyway, yeah, and he won. didn't and he
1: even, he even let one of them run away. Like, he but, didn't like chase after him to just kill every single one of them to like prove anything or whatever. He was just, he just wanted it to be over and he did what he felt he had to do. So yeah, I totally give him a pass on that. Based on what we described, Daniel, you got any issues with uh, Logan's action in that scene?
0: Uh, you know, just a couple of questions. So <clears throat> does the fact that, that he is so quick to heal, does that change his situation at all? Like like you said, he jumped in front of the car to protect the car because he knows that he will heal. Now, granted, in previous episodes or versions of the movie, he healed immediately. Or super rapidly, but now it's, you know, he's all worn down and it takes a lot more effort for him. But it reminds me of one of our previous episodes, episodes where we talked about, I think it was the one about, uh, rubbing, uh, Aladdin's lamp of maximum freedom. Where you said, <clears throat> if you could give somebody like this protective, uh, ring to where, uh, no one could hurt them, right? Like some kind of, uh, self-defense thing. So mm-hmm. you've got this guy who can't die, can't be hurt. So, is him meeting out, you know, almost vigilante style justice immediately. Uh does that change the morality if if he can't be be killed? Now again, you know, in this version of it, he can be hurt and it takes him a long time to recover. But I'm just wondering if that changes the situation in in uh your thoughts on what is self-defense, what isn't.
1: Okay. Um Let's, 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 let's pretend that this is not Logan, but this is like Superman. And a couple of street guys with shotguns mean absolutely nothing to him. And someone comes up and shoots Superman in the chest. He's in obviously zero danger, but he has been attacked. Is he under some sort of obligation to not respond? Is Or, or can he stop the violence? Are you saying that... By thereby hurting the other people. Because this, yeah, you're right. This Wolverine can get killed. If they're like, um, he is actually, is, uh, his healing factor has been degraded. Because uh, it's revealed that, uh, we've already said spoilers, yeah. Um, that the adamantium in his skeleton is toxic. And his body has been fighting it off this whole time. And eventually it's what's poisoning him. So he doesn't heal nearly as well now um but if he could does he have some sort of obligation to just stand there and take getting shot or attacked or whatever I'd, i don't think you i don't think you have any kind of obligation like that I, I think no you have every right to stop the violence and to let the attacker know that what their behavior is, is won't be tolerated and is unacceptable ryan what do
2: you think no i mean i agree i mean if if someone's breaking in my house and say I'm just this paranoid, you know, some paranoid guy, I have like a bulletproof vest, you know, armor on my legs, I got, you know, I got, I got military armor on and I'm ready. You know, guy's breaking in my house and I'm just waiting for them, you know, and I yeah. give him a chance, you know, I give him a chance, hey, you know, this is my property, please leave or else. And they continue on. I mean, I, I have, it's my, you're violating my property, you are showing intention to, do me harm, even if, you know, I'm protected, you know, you can call it maybe if, even if it's superpowers or if it's, you know, some kind of body armor, it doesn't matter, you know what I mean? That's what my protection, That's those are, you know, externalities I'm taking on to protect myself, but you obviously don't know that, you know? So obviously you intend to do me harm, so I got to do what I have to do to protect myself. I mean, that doesn't mean I have to murder them, if that's just... You know, if if that's, if I need to, if I need to kill them to stop them from attacking me, that's just one option. I mean, now, if you have some kind of superpower, if you're morally inclined to do something different, like just, you know, knock them out and, you know, tie them up in a rope and bring them to the police, you know, yeah, I'm sure, you you know, you could do that, but I don't think there's some moral obligation, you know, for that to happen.
1: Right. And yeah, yeah, a lot of superheroes do do that, like Spider-Man is always webbing people up and taking them to the cops, or Superman does that. Right. But. Yeah, I don't think you're under any kind of obligation. If someone else initiates physical violence against you, they intend to harm you. Whether they are able to or not is, I think, besides the point. I think right, their intention is to murder you or do harm to you.
0: But but there is a point where, you, where it is too far, right? <clears throat> like uh, in that training that I did where – remember the article that I posted a couple days ago? That you kind of uh, gave me a, a, a lengthy comment on – but it was about things to do if you're carrying a firearm in your car. And in that training, we also talked about when when there is a violent altercation, you have the, um, the equipment there. the They call it rescue safety equipment, the firearm, is rescue safety equipment because when seconds count, police are minutes away. So having a firearm on you means that you can defend yourself. But you can only go to the point where you're eliminating the threat. Or stopping the attack. So if you go beyond that, then then you are becoming the aggressor. And and I know that sort of flies in the face of what we've talked about in the past, where uh, if somebody starts a fight, they don't get to say how how it gets finished. But I I do think there is a point where you can go too far. So there was a, a story, God probably 30 years ago now, where there was this pharmacy being robbed, and the uh, the assailants. Um, you know, had guns, and, and they were robbing the pharmacy, taking all the Oxycontin and the money and whatever, and the pharmacist drew his weapon out of a drawer, shot the perpetrators to, you know, prevent the uh, further attack, um, but then when these guys were down on the ground and he kicked their guns away, he stands over them and shoots them again. And he got put in into prison for that because he went that one step too far. So...
1: So you that's feel that you feel that he was acting immorally when he shot them.
0: Uh, once the once the threat's eliminated,
1: yeah, I think that's. So then, by that rationale, if you are invincible, you cannot do anything. Then, right? Because there's no threat. There's literally no threat to you. So Superman has to just stand there and take it, right?
0: No, I think you can still stop it. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a bit of gray area, uh, and and of course. This pharmacy story is in the current justice system, like in Libertopia and Capistan, I think things would be a little bit different. Um, I don't know. I, this goes, you know, back to the Wolverine thing, like he's chopping people's limbs off, but they shot him. I think once he prevents them from attacking him any further, he, sh- he should have stopped at that point. I think that's what Superman should stop at is when they can't attack him any further even though they can't hurt him. But I don't want to get bogged down in this, but maybe we just get one last comment from either one of you and then, or both of you, and then we'll move on to the
2: next scene. Okay. Well, I think
1: it's interesting. Interesting. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. Go for
2: it. Keep in mind the guys on on, on Logan, they could literally leave at any time. You know, they they could just say, never mind, bro, and run away, and their lives are spared, you know, but they choose to keep fighting, kicking, shooting, you know, Logan, you know, and, you know, at some point you're going to respond, you know, their, their response might not, you know, might not be morally justified or not. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's that's why we, you know, we might need judges or arbitrators or juries to kind of, you know, filter through those those things, you know, because, you know, two people might see it differently, you know. Indeed.
1: OK, um, well. We're probably like a half hour in and we've got through one scene. So let's, let's get moving on here. Um, and this is a long movie. It's like two hours and 25 minutes or something like that, two hours and 15 minutes. So, yeah, there's a lot to get through. Um, let's. I'm going to move on to the next kind of big scene. Wolverine uh, kind of scares the guys away, kills a bunch of them, but takes off and goes back down south of the border where he lives with, Professor Xavier, like an elderly, enfeebled Professor Xavier, and the mutant Caliban, who's a talent. He's like a, a Morlock whose ability is to find other mutants. And they kind of live in this, mm, what is it, like a junkyard with like an old grain silo and some other kind of old, kind of dilapidated buildings. And he's got Charles Xavier in this like rusted dome living in like He's got, like, some plants and a bed, and this is the point I want to talk about, especially with you guys. Um, Charles Xavier is the most powerful telepath on the planet, and he is going crazy. He is losing his mind, and he – Logan is uh, responsible for, like, getting the drugs for him that prevent his seizures, where he has, like, a seizure where his mental power kind of radiates out. And affects everybody around him. Like he could like literally kill people just because he's having a seizure. Now, when Logan comes in, he's like, take your medicine. Harry brought you your medicine. Take it. Professor X is like, no, I don't want to take it. This just puts me into a stupor, and it makes me really dumb and feel terrible. I don't want to take it. Do either of you have issues with – because honestly, you could – if you – I had a bit of an issue because it's kind of like forced drugging. In one way, you're forced drugging him, but in another way, you're self-defensive, although you could just leave at any point. You don't have to be around this guy, but they've chosen to stick around him. Maybe there's some sort of agreement like, okay, we'll stick around you, take care of you, but in return, you've got to take these drugs, but we don't really hear that conversation. Uh, Did either Daniel, from the way I described it, or Ryan, because you've seen it, do you have any issues with this at all?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, it it drive it kind of goes down to you know mental health, you know, and what that is, you know, and it's kind of it's that's kind of a you know kind of a funny area in when you're talking about libertarianism and property rights and you know self ownership because you know there there are some you know some mentally disabled people out there and you know I mean I have a cousin if he's not on his meds you know he will he could kill someone you know. I don't know, I don't I don't know I know the theories but it's the medicine causing that. I mean I just know from my personal experience before medicine was introduced he had seriums, you know, so is it right to be forcing forcing him to take these drugs that pretty much neuter him mentally? You know, to where he's no longer a threat to society? I don't know. I mean I, it's kind of a priority, but I know I don't want him around if he's not on his meds, I know that much. <laughs> Uh So, I mean, it's a similar, and it's even worse with Professor X. It's even worse with Professor X because he can literally do harm to, I don't know how many, how many square miles it has to be, but if you watch the movie, he can affect a lot of people just by having a seizure. So, you know what, buddy? You gotta take these meds, you know? And, you know, it's to the point where I think that's why Logan wants to try to save, was trying to save up for a boat so they could just get out in the middle of nowhere and, you know, if Charles wants to have his seizure and kill everybody, he can. But it'll be, it won't affect the, you know, the rest of the, the public around him. You know. Right. I, think, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you it's got just,
1: any issues? Sorry, Either
0: That is a really tough situation. I mean, we we've had our issues uh, with with friends who have had some mental difficulties, and you know, once they're in that state, it's it's almost as if they lose uh, their ability to be rational. And so you kind of need some way to check them to to keep others safe from what they could potentially do or, or, you know, would be more inclined to do or likely to do. Um, But at the same time, you know, they do have self-ownership. So I I almost feel like this relates to the uh, artificial intelligence and the – uh some of the other shows we've done where once something is sentient and self aware it, it acquires property rights. But if someone uh has a psychotic break or an episode, they sort of lose their sentience in a way, right? They lose a bit of their humanity. So does that perhaps introduce the uh opportunity for intervention in their in their property rights to protect others, protect themselves? you know, protect them from themselves, protect others from them because they're not uh fully sentient in in that particular time frame?
1: Uh that's an interesting question, but it might open a bit of a can of worms when you're talking about sure. need any, to any time you lose your sentience, like when you go to sleep. Um I obviously all we all know what sleep is and we recognize that it's not a loss of necessarily your faculty. I mean you do lose your faculties and you lose your your sentience in a way. Um, but uh, forgetting that, um, I, it's, it's an interesting issue, uh, and I don't necessarily have all the answers. Um, I could, I think it's all solved necessarily, or with um, contracts though, and um, ostracism. Because if you do have somebody who won't take their medicine, and they are dangerous around you, then you simply say, Hey, I'm not going to hang out with you when you're not on your drugs. And if you're some old man that has the power to kill everybody with your mind, then I'm going to get really far away <laughs> if you're not going to take your drugs. And that's just the way it's going to be because I can't be around you because you could murder me just because you don't want to take your drugs and not because you intend to do it, but as just a bypass, you know, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Say. Anyway,
2: yeah. yeah. Do you think, yeah, think...
1: Once... Oh, go ahead, Ryan.
2: No, I was just saying once you, you, uh, <clears throat> You're, you're, you're basically showing that you don't have the mental capability to, uh, to do what's needed to, you know, to not cause harm to those around you. I think you lose, you know, you lose some of your, your self-ownership cred, cred, credentials, you know. <laughs> I don't know how to put it, but you know, once you say, well, I don't care what happens to other people. I don't care yeah. if I kill everybody around me. I don't care. I mean, as we'll find out in the X-Men movie, I mean, in the Logan movie, they hint at Professor X supposedly killing all the X-Men, you know? Right, right. So, it's, you know, it's, I mean, he's basically showed to the point that he doesn't care, you know? So, you know, yeah, you're going to take these meds, Professor, you know? At least I'm not, you know, that, that's, that's the, that's the responsibility I'm going to take. I'm going to take responsibility for you since You know, no longer can take care of yourself. But as you said, as you said, that does open a can of worms because, I mean, let's be honest, that's what the government does every day. Hey, you can't think for yourself. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't take care of yourself. So we're going to do it for you, you know, and they, they have constantly pushed the goalposts down further and further to where, you know, it it has nothing, nothing, nothing to do with protecting people. It's just, you know, control, you know.
1: Yeah, we did a movie um, – we did an episode on Changeling where uh, the the bar for insanity was basically disagreeing with the government. So like uh, Angelina Jolie was like, no, that's not my kid. I know my own kid. I've seen I, – I grew my kid. The king came out of my womb. I know I can recognize my own child, and the government's like, no, this is your child. And if it's not your child, then we're going to put you in an insane asylum. Yeah. So – yeah, it, you're absolutely right. It's it's about control, and controlling. you I got mean, to worry about that that bar, like who who determines that.
2: I mean, we're there now. I mean, if you're anti-vaccine, you're nuts. Like right. that's, that's how the mainstream views you. You are you are a nutcase for not being for forced vaccination. You know?
1: Right. Or forced fluoridation, or yeah, or
2: right. yeah,
1: yeah. It's just... Anyway, Daniel, any final thoughts on that issue before we move on?
0: Man, you guys just <laughs> said a boatload of stuff and it is a, a not only a can of worms but also a slippery slope because I think there is an argument to you know protect people from themselves or from harming others even if they don't have intent to it reminds me of our discussions about uh Walter Block's stance on the Typhoid Mary you know and he's like mm-hmm. well yeah of course you you have to force medicate her because she's a threat to others um and and you and I had an issue with that and and you know this discussion here makes me think Maybe maybe you do I don't know it's like capstan doesn't have all the answers but I, I, I think that it has better answers than the government deciding what should be done you know doing the thinking for you. Um, right. We've also talked about the uh, Sesame credit thing in China where you know they're trying to mold citizens and you get a better score if you uh, are more patriotic to to the Communist Party there uh, and it kind of is similar. You know, you're trying to, to mold behavior in a certain way. So, uh, it's slippery slope. Right,
1: and anything, right, and anything that comes outside of that is undesirable and, you know, could be said to be a danger. Like, you know, uh, how many times throughout history have governments murdered and prosecuted people as enemies of the state? As, as, uh, tra- traitors or, you know, political enemies? Uh, Sometimes you get to the point where all it takes is uh, to have a dissenting opinion, and all of a sudden you're a danger to others, and you need to be murdered. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So we, we so solved nothing. A- <laughs> 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 hey, this we- movie is grim, and we're going to talk about grim topics here. Um, so he's at this um property, right? He's at this this kind of like junkyard. And uh, Donald Pierce, the lead reaver guy, comes up, he comes onto his property, and Logan says, hey, this is private property, you need to leave. Hey, hey. Um, be- before,
0: we, before we get into that, um, two things. Number one, uh, in the case where you were saying that um, Logan could decide to get miles away from Xavier because his range is yay far, so he would know to get far away, do you think yeah. that Logan would then have any... Obligation to make it known to others that they're in a risk zone.
1: Oh, we're gonna get into that because that All is right. a huge issue later on in the movie. Okay. okay?
0: And then number huge two, um, <laughs> you just started talking about reavers. Maybe tell tell me what the reavers are before you start talking about what they do. Okay.
1: So the reavers are back in the comic books. Uh, they were back in Australia when uh, the X Men got teleported. By gateway down to go fight the adversary and whatever they were like everybody the world thought they were dead and they were down in Australia and these Reavers came along led by Donald Pierce and they were like there's a guy with tank treads for legs there's a guy with bionic arms so they're all basically like half man half Android like you know cyborg type people and they all wanted to kill the X-Men I, I forget if they were like hired to kill the X-Men or just hated them I forget exactly uh, maybe Ryan knows. But, uh, yeah, they're just like these mercenaries with cyborg enhancements. Yeah, that's it. So Donald Pierce shows up at the place, and he's looking for this little girl. And Logan's like, well, I don't got your little girl, so you can just leave. And um turns out the girl is on the property, and she throws like a pipe at the back of his head. And um, and then Logan, he's got this like unconscious mercenary. And he tells Caliban to like go dump him off the property, take him, and go dump him off the property. Um, and so Lo- Caliban does while Logan is like dealing with whatever else. Um, and uh, then Caliban gets, she, he's about to dump Pierce out in the, in the, in the out, off the property. And then all the other, like, the, like some Federales come and some other Reavers come. And so then they all kind of storm onto the property. And everybody's like, oh shit, what do we do? We gotta get out of here. So Logan loads up everybody into the limousine. And there's this brutal, awesome action scene where uh, the limos like driving around. Um, then there's, or is, am I getting ahead of myself? There's an action scene before it with the, um, the Reavers, uh, like beating it. They, like, beat up Wolverine. And then there's a scene where, uh, X23 is a little girl and she's, like, fighting and killing a bunch of them. Is that, is that, does that happen before the act, the, the chase scene, Ryan? I think it does, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, okay. because when, you know, uh, Caliban, he's taking, he's going to dump, uh, dump Donald Pierce, you know, down the road or whatever. And that's, that's when Logan starts to get a chance to, uh, you know, who, you know, who the hell is this child? You know, I think at this point, you know, the child, the, the woman, the nurse who was, who had the child with him had already been killed.
1: And, oh, right, right,
2: yeah. yeah. and, you know, Logan, you know, he put that together and she, you know, she had wanted Logan to, uh, she had paid him to take the child to, uh, North Dakota or whatever. And, uh, <clears throat> and yeah, that's when, you know, they they're, she's sitting eating cereal. And you know the debate is getting done, but then you know the fellow rallies and the rest of the reavers roll in, and you know Logan he's just like, hey y'all got to go, but he's like, oh shit, you know it, it's about to go down, you know. Mm. So he's trying to he's trying to you know he's not he's at this point they don't they haven't seen the child yet the the, the reavers, so he's like, hey well, there's no child here, you guys got to go. But then you know once they storm the uh the building. They see her in there, and then she goes into her. We finally see that hey, she has claws like Wolverine. She has, you know, she's she's a little Wolverine. That's when we find that out, and that's when all hell breaks loose.
1: Right. She's got instead of three claws, she's got two claws on each hand, and then she's got a toe claw that comes out of each foot.
2: And that was awesome, by the like,
1: way. Yeah, she's this this little badass whirlwind of death that she takes care. Of. I thought you, Ryan. The, the very first mercenary that she kills and cuts his head off, um, do you remember a guy that played for the Seattle Seahawks, and he's also an Arkansas Razorback named Brian Bosworth? I could have sworn yeah. that that
2: was him. <laughs> he does look like Buzz.
1: Yeah, he that totally looks looked like Boz. I was like, oh, if that isn't Boz, it's like a Boz clone. Cause yeah, <laughs> totally right. looked like. Okay. Um, uh, let's see here. Um so then they escape, and there's like this amazingly brutal, awesome scene where there's a train that like just T-bones this car, and they get away. Anyway, um, so the Reavers torture Caliban, and we kind of get some information about what's going on. We, we learned about X-23 as this um, kind of clone. She's uh, part of this program down in Mexico City. Uh, the nurse that was taking care of X 23 made like a video, like a little mini documentary inside, you know, you're not supposed to see this, but I'm showing you anyway um, expose to show to whoever finds her after she's been murdered. Um, and we learned that this transigen company who I think is kind of like the, I don't remember exactly, but it's like it's, it's showed up in X-Men movies before um, yeah. and they yeah. are, This company that is growing – they're basically um, a defense contractor where they are growing weapons, people to weaponize, mutants to weaponize. And it's not clear if they've got like government contracts or whatever, but they seem to kind of operate without government impunity. Although later on, there's kind of a big deal about them not being able to go to Canada. Uh, I don't know how much that – sat with you, Ryan, but it seemed like these are guys that don't give a shit about borders, so we're just going to go kill everybody, whoever, but um, anyway, did you get the impression that this was kind of a demonization of capitalism, or is this more of uh, an effect of government in, you know, because this is a company that they, 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 they say that these, um, the X-23 is a R&D mistake. That's a quote from the movie. And that they're um, not children, but things with patents. And um, they're there to be controlled and killed and used and whatever.
2: Yeah, I mean, you could definitely see the, you know, the whole anti-corporatist anti slant there, you know, which is fine with me. You know, I think it's, it's less to do with capitalism, but more of the whole, you know, government, private, big corporation partnership. Defense contract. As we find out, the, this company, Alkali, Alkali Transgen, in the Alkali part, that that's a hint given to the Alkali Lake, uh, Alkali Lake where Wolverine was made, where Wolverine was created back in the previous films. So obviously mm-hmm. this is like some kind of government, you know, government slash corporate, you know, partnership. And we also found, find out, I mean, we could touch on it later, that the lead scientist there is behind this you know this uh, product that's that's used on the crops that's putting everybody's soft drinks. It's like some kind of you know some kind of corn syrup or something like that that winds mm-hmm. up that winds up being behind like you know the the reason no new mutants are being born for like the last 25 years. So I mean yeah, oh, you can it. look at it kind of like
1: was that is that what it was? I, yeah. I guess I, didn't, I wasn't paying close enough attention. That's that's what. So that's why there weren't mutants being born.
2: Right, they they explained it in the end, but he kind of just he explained it so quick and they didn't really go over it. He's like, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I've been doing." He was like, "Whoa," you know? And they just they only really hinted at it a little bit through the movie with with short conversations, so it was, it was easy to miss. But Okay.
1: Uh, right, right, yeah. cuz there's that kind of confession at the end by the main scientist guy.
2: Right, and he, then he's
1: talking about okay.
2: Yeah. But uh yeah, Okay, I'm that's just, interesting. You could you could give it you know you could say it was kind of a you know a stab at capitalism but I mean if you if if you're woke like us you know what's really yeah. going on
1: <laughs> <laughs> right Okay that makes me feel better because I yeah I did have a little bit of an issue just um, with that whole corn thing I didn't realize that that was their doing and that they had a specific malevolent goal on that because um, usually when people demonize like corn syrup or whatever there are people that want to control it and then make a law about it and say that you know you don't have a right to, to drink corn syrup if you if if you want to. Um, right. Right. So so this is an actual yeah okay good 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 I'm glad.
0: Yeah. So before you guys go on, I mean, there's a whole interesting thing about why corn syrup's even a, even a thing. It's because of all the sugar tariffs, right? And the whole uh, disproportionate cost of you and me and, and a million other people taking the effort to fight. Uh, a sugar tariff versus the beneficiaries of said tariff who are like two or three concentrated people. Right. Uh, so that's the whole reason why corn syrup's even a thing. But then it also reminds me of um, this is a forced medication, right? They're putting it in, in the beverages without people's knowledge. So it's sort of like fluoridation and there's a mm-hmm. whole history around that as well. And, you know, call me and Alex Jones, they're making, they're making the frogs gay uh, conspiracy theorists, but You know, back uh, in the 40s or 50s, um, Alcoa had all this extra sodium fluoride laying around. And what do you know? One of the guys from their uh, board of directors happened to get into the Department of Health. And lo and behold, uh, there's this problem of all this extra sodium fluoride. Uh, There's this made-up health thing about fluoride being beneficial for teeth. Marry the two together. They make a mint. So... And that's well, and also,
1: that. I've heard also that uh, the first government to put fluoride in the water was the Germans, the Nazis, and they did it because fluoridation, or the fluoride, sodium fluoride specifically, uh, makes people docile. I don't know if that's uh, 100% true, but that's what I've heard multiple times from multiple different sources. I don't know if that's a mockingbird thing, but seems like it could be true. Um, okay, so... They, the Logan and the gang, get all that information about Transigen from this video as they're driving north. And the first kind of main stop that they get to is Las Vegas. And as we were talking about, I mean, would you take this basically human brain bomb into a super highly populated dense area? Do you have any kind of moral obligation to not do that? Um, It's an interesting question. Uh, so anyway, they get to Vegas, they go up to a hotel, and they're like, we need to buy clothes, and they buy clothes, and they're sitting and they watch the movie Shane, which this movie has a lot of, I guess, themes borrowed from it. I guess Mangold, he watched Shane a whole bunch of times when he was making this movie. Um, so then there's this uh, – but then the Reavers catch up to him, and Logan is out. He needs to get rid of the the, the limo. And so he just takes it to like a shady part of town <laughs> and he, he just hands the keys to like some dirty looking biker guy. And he's like, here, go to town. And then he goes and he buys, um, some other truck and he drives back to the hotel and the Reavers have shown up. They are, they're like guarding the hotel and cause Caliban remembers has been tortured and he's able to track them and. Charles has a seizure and Logan is down on the ground floor and he has to make his way through the casino floor lobby through the, all the stuff and get to the, the, the elevator and up and then back to the room. And he's basically the only one due to his like healing factor and maybe some other issues that is able to really kind of fight through it. And everybody else is like, vibrating and in pain and frozen like in previous movies we've seen charles xavier being able to just freeze time basically not freeze time but freeze everybody around him so that it seems like time is frozen he's done it in a bunch of movies but now he's like old and crapitated and he has these seizures but we see that this time he had a seizure and is almost intentional because the reavers are in his room have guns pointed at him with the intent to kill so you get the idea that he is doing this defensively, but he can't control it, and he's actually causing danger to thousands of people. So, does anybody have any issues with that? It's like a—it's like the only weapon you have to defend yourself is an atom bomb, and you're around a whole bunch of people. Do you pull that trigger? Do you have some obligation to not? Thoughts, anybody?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think if you're a—you uh, know—if you have all your mental faculties. You know, that's, that's not something you would want to do. But at the same time, if you have that power, you know, like we say, power corrupts, you know what I mean? So so if you had that power and you're just trying to preserve yourself, you know, purely yourself, you're thinking about yourself, would you yeah. do it? I don't know. I don't know. You can say morally it's not right, but, you know, is it not right to save yourself? I don't know.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Would, would you defend yourself? and Protect yourself at the expense of possibly killing a whole bunch of other people, innocent people.
2: I like to say I wouldn't. I like to say I wouldn't, but I haven't been in that situation.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, I, you're not the moral actor, I don't think, in that situation. But it's kind of hard not to be aware of that because you're not instigating the violence. You have people chasing right. after you, going to kill you, and they know, especially these people, they know what he's capable of.
2: Yeah, they're, the, they're, they're absolutely. The it said uh, they described Professor X as a they called his a brain as a weapon of mass destruction. That's what right. That's what they called his brain. So right, <laughs> and so uh,
0: the guys attacking him, so they they were aware of this. Yeah. Oh
2: yeah. They're keep in mind, yeah, keep in mind, the Reavers they're they're probably some of the dumbest like henchmen. <laughs> like yeah, I
1: mean, yeah. Like, yeah. These they, are some fairly yeah dumb mercenary type thug dudes, right? <laughs> who are just basically under the command of this main scientist guy who doesn't care if they live or die. I mean, they're just out to get a paycheck probably. We're not giving any kind of motivation for them other than um, they're people under the pay of the transigent to recover X-23, which is an escaped, you know, what they see as escaped property of theirs.
0: So they're just the exploited working class of the corporate Company,
2: right? And they're, okay, company.
0: Providing all the value. <laughs> all right. Hey, Sorry
2: what did you that. think? What did you think about Wolverine just stabbing his way through those guys while well, they couldn't move, like they were they were frozen, but their yeah. mind was still working because you could see their eyes move and they're like their eyes move and they're like, oh shit, but they can't move. And Logan is just like, just stabbing them each in the head as he moves through the. Uh, Oh, right
1: right it was know awesome. yeah, I thought that was I thought that was an awesome scene first of all um, and I didn't have any issue with his action I thought he acted morally almost this entire movie except for something we'll get into um, but in that particular scene even though you've got these incapacitated people you know that as soon as Charles you get that that plunger because he's going you know he wants to inject Charles with the, the juice that's gonna prevent it stop the seizure you know once he does that they're absolutely, if not guaranteed, they're absolutely likely to start pulling triggers. So even if they can't right now, they have their weapons drawn and aimed. I had no issue with him, you know, preemptively if you want to say it. I think, I think, I still, I think it still qualifies as self-defense. Daniel, do you have any idea? He, he's, he's, all these Reavers are in the room. They've got their guns drawn. One of them, I think, or two of them actually have guns pointed at, like point blank at Xavier's head and Wolverine is like slow motion uh trying to claw his way literally and figuratively um, to get to Xavier to uh put the plunger in him to stop him from having the seizure but on his way he stabs and kills all these essentially helpless temporarily helpless uh mercenary guys so from what i've described do you have any issues with what he's uh, what he's doing there
0: well, I'm going to borrow some Stephen Hawking who thinks he needs to protect the world from capitalism and the robot takeover but making proclamations about how we need to have socialism uh, and talk about the space-time continuum. The, the fact that Xavier can sort of bend time or slow down time or prevent those guys from moving, all he does is, is create a uh, space or a gap in which Logan has the opportunity to act first uh, in response to the imminent threat Upon Xavier, so those right. guys were like in the act pulling the trigger, and Xavier is able to expand the opportunity for Wolverine to come to his defense. So I think right. that it is defensive, based on what you've told me.
1: Okay, I'm in agreement with that, Ryan. Yeah, I agree. All right, cool. Okay, uh, so three,
0: three dudes uh, all agreeing with each other. Patriarchy. <laughs>
1: Uh, okay. So, um, so they're all, uh, the Reavers are all dead and they make their way out of the hotel and they load them up into a truck and then they all take off. And, um, the main, the next thing, unless Ryan, you got another thing. The next thing I wanted to talk about was the accident scene. So do you have anything before that?
2: No, no, go ahead.
1: Okay. So they're driving along on the highway and we don't really get an idea of exactly where they are, but they're out in the countryside somewhere. And there are these – it's the near future, remember. So there are these self-driving tractor trailers. So, like, imagine an 18-wheeler trailer, semi-truck trailer, but without the cab, and they just drive themselves. And they're just whipping along the freeway, okay? And Logan's driving, and he kind of gets, like, boxed in a little bit, or one kind of comes across. is like, changing lanes and kind of, like, gets into his lane. So he has to go off-road. So basically, it causes an accident, Um, and he kind of self-corrects. And then on the other side, um, a a family with a trailer full of horses crashes. And um, this is something that we're probably going to see seeing here in the near future with these self-driving cars and self-driving transports. Um, I think this is something that the market would handle with insurance and other things like that. But um, it was interesting that Logan was like annoyed and hated them. And they seem to be just driving really quickly, and I don't know. It, it didn't look like they were adjusting, or I don't know. It seems like they just caused accidents, and you know, in the movie we don't see any kind of recourse, but I imagine in uh, in real life we would, of course. But um, yeah, was, do you have any was, thoughts on
2: it? Yeah, I was doing some review on it, and somebody pointed out that remember this entire area here is. Uh, you know this farming area is under the control of the same company. You know, mm. producing these these crops, these corn crops. So they basically, I don't know if they, you could say they own the roads, but you know they run this whole section of, except for that one little family. So they mm. just they're just using the roads. Got their you know they have their their uh, tractor trailers automated, and they're just going about it. They don't really care who's on the road because they pretty much own all of it in their eyes. You know. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So they just want to have their their goods delivered as quickly as possible. So they're maybe they're being a little bit more reckless than they would otherwise be. I mean, I I gotta I gotta think that the the market would handle this. We don't need a a state trooper on a motorcycle starring in a 1980s TV show to uh, solve this problem.
2: No, and also there's the fact once we get to the the family, you know, there's the fact that uh, the company is trying to get them out of there. So. I don't know if that plays into this, but, you know, you could, yeah. you could kind of draw dots. I mean, connect the dots if you want.
1: Yeah, so uh, Logan's kind of crashed on the side of the road, and he sees the tractor-trailer on the other side, and he's like, "Ah, eh, it's not our problem. Somebody will come along. And Professor Xavier's like, somebody has come along. And so then they go over and help them, and Professor Xavier still has some of his faculties left over, and he's able to corral these horses that are kind of running wild and about to get run over by these tractor-trailer things. And then the grateful family is like, hey, you guys want to, like, come over for dinner? And Logan's like, no, we got a lot of traveling to do. But Professor Xavier is like, yeah, that sounds great. Now, they know not only is Professor Xavier like this brain bomb, but they also know that they're being pursued by vicious murderers. So how can you it bear minimum? warn this family (laughs) how can they just be quiet and not say anything Um, let alone go over there I would be like no there's some dangerous people after us it wouldn't be in your best interest it's not safe that's what I would say but instead um, the the movie is kind of like well we need Logan to realize that family is something that he needs he needs to be a father to this child and so Professor Xavier needs to show him that, hey, look at this family. This is what it's like to have a family. So uh, from a storytelling standpoint, I'm like, okay, it's kind of a little maybe a little ham-fisted. But from a moral standpoint, I think it's completely irresponsible to not only bring a brain bomb into this family, but second of all, have being pursued by these vicious murderers and not assume, you know, assume that you know, you're so far ahead of them that they're not going to catch up to you in the time that you're here especially since later on um, they're having dinner and then they're invited to stay the night. And it's like, what? what? And Logan's like, yeah, okay. Um, no, we need to go stay in a hotel. It'll be a lot better. But then Patrick Stewart's like, "Nah, nah no, no, I'm tired. Let me, put, let me go to bed. let's we'll say, hey, over. It's like, what the, what the hell? Ryan, did you have any issues with this? I had massive yeah. issues with it.
2: Yeah. I had major issues. This whole part of the movie, I felt kind of, dragged it down a little bit this one I guess I don't know watching it I just kind of felt we will get further into what happens but um, yeah I mean I think the whole point of this was to show where Charles Xavier was at mentally like he Mm -hmm. was always someone that was all about the greater good and thinking about the public and making sure we protect everybody but now he's a selfish old man you know he doesn't care. He just wants. Yeah. His last day, he kept saying he just wants one day to feel like a family again, to you know, just to sleep in a home like a regular person. So he's at this very selfish point to where he just wants what he wants. He doesn't really care, you know, what happens to anybody. You know, so, you know, he's 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 no longer the the morally the good moral you know compass he used to be. You know, we we're different. And I mean, and Logan, he never was that. But he he at least has enough to be like, no, we really shouldn't be here. He tries to tell the professor, but the professor is just like, no, you know, let's let's just stay one night. And so you know, he, yeah. I guess eventually he just said, you know, Wolverine just said, okay, let's do it. But it, I had a big problem with it. Like they knew what was going to happen. They knew what was going to happen. What they were bringing to that to that family, you know?
1: Yeah, I don't know how you can in good conscience, even if you're not the instigator of the violence, you know that people are chasing you. And you know that it's not safe to be around you at that time. Yeah. So yeah, it just that just really had a, had a big issue with that. And yeah, not so much Logan's perspective. He was trying to get everybody to like, know we need to go. But professor Xavier was just like, like he said, he's being selfish and he's just like, I don't care what happens. I, I want to show you that. Yeah. We need to be a family and family's great. And I just want another, yeah. want what I want. Um, yeah. Anyway, Daniel, from what we've said, uh, what are your
0: thoughts on this? Well, I think this goes back to does he have all his faculties? Because it sounds like this might be him not being exactly rational. You know, I mean, they're obviously being pursued by people trying to kill them. Is he aware that he is a brain bomb as well? I mean, he, he knows he needs this medicine, right? And, and he's like resisting taking it at times. So yeah. I, I wonder if this is a lot in alignment with his uh, mental mental difficulties. You know, is, is this a decision that is being made that isn't a, a fully uh, rational thought?
1: Well, he, um, it, when he plunges him, when Logan plunges him in the hotel, I think he says, he asks him how long it had been since he'd taken his medicine. Like he says two days, which, yeah, I, uh, is going into, knowingly going into a massively populated area, like Las fucking Vegas, knowing that you could have a seizure and potentially murder thousands of people, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. I, it's unconscionable from my point of view, I, I couldn't have that on my conscience even if I'm not necessarily you know anyway. okay, so they invite him over for the family dinner and professor Xavier yeah goes up and Logan puts him to bed and there's a water problem in the house. and this gets into a little bit of the water rights. I thought this was kind of interesting. So there's a pump. Um, like a mile away from the house and Logan and the father um, go out to go check it out and that's the, the point where they walk past this really tall corn and they talk about how it's uh, made for corn syrup and they get to this uh, well and the pump and they're like working on it and up drive up some like hillbilly hick company guys and they're like hey we told you you know, you don't, you can't have this water. This water isn't for you. But then he says that he has an easement with the previous owners. So he has a right to the water. Um, and so then these new owners apparently don't honor that contract. Um, and then there's some, some violence. They like have guns and Logan, of course, is like, come on, really? And he like knocks them out and they take off. Um, I don't necessarily have a whole lot of thoughts on that in general other than, like, the market would handle it. But, uh, again, this is, I guess, showing off this this company that just has no consideration for previous contracts.
0: <clears throat>
1: Ryan, did you have any any thoughts on this part? Or just... Yeah. Uh,
2: no, yeah, I had uh, – a you know, I, I guess what was, was interesting, you know, this was the scene where they kind of hinted at the company, you know, pretty much buying up all the uh, – farmland around. And I think the farmer mentioned that, you know, they were trying to use eminent domain to take his, his, uh, you know, his farming uh, land. Cause he didn't, mm. you know, he, he didn't want to convert to that crop that they wanted to use. I, I just, I, I need to, I would need to watch it again to like really hear what he was, uh, he was saying. Yeah. Because at that point in the movie, I just like so much that went on. I just was just trying to gather everything in my head. So I was a few things got by me. But uh, I yeah. do remember him mentioning mentioning Eminent Domain and the part you talked about with the, the easement with the previous owners. But, uh yeah, I didn't have any real issues with, you know, that scene overall. It just sounded seemed like, you know, it was probably some typical stuff that goes on when, you know, some companies try to move in and, you know, there's one, you know, one guy left that just doesn't want to budge and they try to use some, you know, little scare tactics to get rid of him. Yeah, that's what it kind of reminds me And then when
1: that fails, right, then they bring in the government to say, hey, and then we'll just take your land.
2: Right. (laughs) Right.
1: Right. So um, they go back to the house, and there's this kind of weird scene where Xavier's talking, and I thought it was a dream sequence at first because it's kind of filmed that way a little bit, and then we get claws in his chest. And we see a young Wolverine with, like, a buzz cut, and he just starts murdering everybody. He butchers the family, and and I was like, what in the hell is going on? Um, and then we get, like, Logan comes in, and we understand that this is X-24. This is a clone that is loyal to this transigen company. And he's only, I guess he only listens to, like, the lead scientist guy, but he is basically their killing machine and he has been unleashed on this poor family. And so exactly what we feared would happen happens to this poor family who were just trying to be kind, who were just trying to repay a favor of some people who saved their horses. And now they get murdered for their trouble. Freaking horrific. This is like this brutal, horrific scene where this family is slaughtered and I, I, if you're Logan, I can't, you know, even though he tried to, to convince Xavier to leave, I, you still got to feel some guilt over it. Anyone? Sorry. Um, am I dropping? Everybody dropping? Is everybody dropped? I'm here. Ryan, are you here? I think uh Ryan, we lost Ryan.
2: Hey, I'm here. I had to reconnect.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Sorry about hey. that. Since we have
0: this little blurb, I'm gonna to have to cut out anyway. Um, Ryan, I'm pretty sure that you are the one picking up Robert talking. Uh, so if you have a mute feature on your headset at all, or any way to um, mute you when when he's talking until until you want to say something, it'll help. Because otherwise, he sounds like the great and powerful Oz.
2: Okay. Yeah. I've been I've been muting while he talked, so I don't know. Uh...
1: Okay. Me too. I'm probably, so. I, I probably just. I probably just need to talk a little bit quieter, but All right, I, I yeah. get a little bit excited. I get a, yeah. I get a little bit excited. <laughs> All right.
0: Yeah, I, th- I thought it was – I thought, you know, because I'm muting, I thought that – it might have been Ryan, but since you're muting as well, and it's funny because we're talking about mutants, and we're muting. <laughs> ah, ah maybe, maybe I'll leave this – maybe I'll leave this uh, little garbage session in. Uh <laughs> So anyway, not to derail us, let's, let's get,
1: uh, now that we got Ryan back, let's just proceed. Okay, so I was just describing how Wolverine comes back to find the whole family murdered. And for me, that would weigh on my conscience. I would feel guilty about that. Even though someone else is murdering these people, I brought them there. So, Ryan, wouldn't you, wouldn't you feel guilty about this?
2: Hell yeah, man, but, I mean, that scene, that scene, I mean, that that scene kind of almost took me out the movie. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, they killed the kid. Yeah. The wife came out with the shotgun. You know, she's trying to protect the family. She got killed. Uh, then the dad. He, you think he got killed, but then he comes back to, you know, save Wolverine's ass. You know. Yeah. But then he dies. It, it was just like it's it, That scene, uh, like I think you had to do. Professor, like Fred like, X, just got killed. Like, I was like, what? You know? it Oof. And I was that was kind of emotional for me, and then just the way it happened—it just happened so quickly, you know. But yeah, I mean, as far as the more like Wolverine, I mean, he's already not—you know—he's not the post-moral <laughs> moral character in the X universe. He he's seen so many people get killed. He's lost so many people to this point where he's just like, "Oh, that sucks," you know. Yeah. a Professor? Yeah, at this point, he was just worried about the Professor, you know. Yeah. Try to save him, you know. Yeah, so he I, does. I, just he thought th- I thought it was kind of cheap, him. though. Yeah, but I thought it was kind of cheap how that how that family went out. It was kind of like shock value. So I get that was like one of my negatives with the movie. One of my few negatives. I don't have many, but that was one of the parts I didn't like. I kind of understand. You, you kind of wanted. I understand. He wanted to show the you know the brutality of uh X24, who's the villain, you know, and you know the brutality of that company, but. Uh-huh. You know, I just like, ah, uh, did they have to go that far? You know, and maybe they did have to go that far. I guess that maybe it helped the movie, but I hated that scene, man.
1: Yeah, it was hard to watch. That was definitely the most, or one of the most emotional parts. I mean, that and later on at the end, I think, were the two big emotional hits for me. But that, that one, man, it hit, it hit me. It hit me really hard because not only is this perfectly avoidable, um, it seemed like they just wanted to, yeah, show us this horrific brutality thing um, that, yeah, like, the, they're just people that are trying to repay a favor, and they, they get murdered for their trouble. Uh, it, was, uh, it was hard. Um, so Wolverine is totally messed up from this fight, and um, they need to bury Charles Xavier, who's dead, and they're, I guess he's the only one they buried. Like, they didn't take the time to bury the family. Um, uh, so they escape off in this truck, and they bury Charles, and then he, like, passes out on the road after being super upset, and X-23, like, steals this fisherman's truck and drives Logan to a doctor. We don't see her do it, but Logan wakes up in the doctor's office, and he's like, do yourself a favor if you want to save a life, you know, forget we were over here. Because finally, he realizes that people are chasing them and might get hurt. Um, and then they walk out, and there's this truck, and Logan's like, you can't just take shit. <laughs> That's his line. He says, you can't just take shit. Even though earlier in the movie, uh, there's a scene in a convenience store where Logan just like steals this there's a pack of cigars and a battery phone charger. He just like grabs it. So I don't know. If he's supposed to be like this moral character or not, um, it, anyway, he's, he's I guess he's a complicated character. Um, but uh, so they're driving towards this place in North Dakota, which is just on the border with Canada, which is Eden. And Logan the whole time is like, this. Is, by the way, this is a universe where some of the events. Of the movies happened, like the Statue of Liberty fight in X-Men 1 happened, but Logan says, you know, all the rest of that shit was just made up for the comic books, and um, this is a world where the X-Men exist in the comic books, and there's a whole bunch of adventures and whatnot, and he's just flipping through these comic books, and he's like, yeah, this is all bullshit. This is just made up by these creators. So he thinks that this Eden place is just some bullshit thing made up by these comic book creators.
0: Wait, so they went on all, all meta? on this? Like there's comic books about the X-Men in this movie about the X-Men and they make reference to it. It's like breaking the wall.
1: Nah, not, I wouldn't say it's breaking the wall because it's just a a world, a new universe where comic books exist about the adventures of the X-Men, but most of it's made up. Not that they recognize that they are comic book characters. Does that make sense?
0: All right. So it's like halfway through the wall. (laughs) It's like the Kool-Aid man, Dashes into the wall, doesn't make it all the way through. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's like basically, you know, the X Men were these heroes from way back when, you know, and, you know, eventually mutants died off. Like, it's been 25 years since a mutant was born. So, you know, there's, you know, these legends have been created about mutants. You know, there's kind of this thing of the past that people talk about. Hey, remember when mutants were walking around? And, you know, obviously there would be some culture references. That get created, you know, like some pop culture, you know, uh, maybe, you know, comic books and stuff, stories get written, you know. So that, that's kind of how I looked at it. It was just like the X-Men where there's, this old legend from a day's past, you know, it's, you know, where you know, they're, they're, they kind of looked at like, you know, these creatures from the past that, you know, just, and kids kind of look up to it, you know, they look up to it. And, and that was, that was the thing about the comic book, you know, these comic books were read by these kids that were, you know, that were created at this, this company. And so Wolverine was thinking, you know, there's no such thing as Eden. These kids just read, read about Eden in one of these comic books and they think it's something real, you know? Right. Yeah. right. And
1: Yeah. yeah this is, and, and they, yeah, Wolverine is fairly famous. So yeah. And Wolverine, and mutants are really rare now. So like in, in early on in the movie, there's a scene with Donald Pierce where he climbs in his limo and he tells him that he's been a, he's a fan. So we don't know if he's necessarily a fan of, you know, him or necessarily, you know, the, the exploits of Wolverine as depicted in comic books. But it's an interesting, interesting thing. Um, I don't know if we've necessarily had that sort of thing in, in a, a movie before. But
0: um, Yeah, that, that is kind of interesting because I, I think that, you know, kids growing up maybe 50 years ago, maybe longer, had all these um, stories about cowboys that were, you know, popular, like, children's books. I don't know if they were comic books per se, but they were stories about adventures in the Old West. And exactly. so it would have been a time gone by and, you know, play Cowboys and Indians exactly. and all that.
2: That's a perfect analogy, actually. You know, it was the, uh, the director, he's like a big Western fan, so it wouldn't surprise me if that was kind of something he was going for, to where, you know, we know the Wild West was not, how it was portrayed in the movies, but you know, if the stories get told over time and Hollywood gets involved and you know, it sort of gets ridiculous and I guess that what that's what they were trying to portray with the comic book, you know. Yeah. And
0: the fish get bigger every time, right? Right. Every <laughs> time they tell a story. <laughs> You know that that uh, reminds me Robert I think that we should do a, a western at some point cuz when we did the Changeling episode we discovered that Clint Eastwood was uh, rather libertarian and I think he's done a, a fair number of movies that are worthy of discussion unforgiven or fistful of dollars or good bad and the ugly or even uh, Shane that we mentioned earlier on this episode might be one worth talking about lots of good stuff there
1: yeah yeah or we could we could do the John Favreau Cowboys and Aliens which is probably a bad idea but, yeah, we should probably do a cowboy movie at some point. Um, I recently re-watched uh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Well, actually, I watched rewatched all the Spaghetti Westerns, and I think, yeah, the Good, Bad, and the Ugly is the most has the most meat on it. There's a, a lot of going on in there. It's a fairly long movie. It could take us a bit, but, yeah, there's some good stuff for sure. All right, maybe
0: so, we'll have uh, Ryan come back if, if you're into
2: Westerns, man. Uh, that'll be a no. <laughs> 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 I, I, I can't say I'm a, I'm not a, I'm not, a, I'm not a, I don't hate westerns. I just, I really never got into westerns. So this just one of those things I'm going to sit down one day and just watch like the top five, you know, spaghetti westerns or whatever. But I just, my dad was into them and I, since he was into them, I was like, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the magnificent seven is actually really libertarian. We did that uh, movie a long time ago back when it was the Reed Rothbard we- web uh, podcast. Um, and there's some seriously libertarian-type philosophy going on in that movie. But if you're interested, if you're not, it's no big deal. The, the, not
2: the, the, the qu-
1: remake, but the original.
2: Oh, see, I, I saw the the remake, but I, I never saw the uh, the original.
1: I heard that they just gutted the philosophy of it in the uh, remake, but I haven't yeah,
2: seen it. I'm sure it, it wasn't it wasn't one of my favorite Quentin Tarantino movies.
1: You mean the, the magnificent? Oh. You mean. Uh, oh, I'm thinking the Hateful Eight. Yeah, I'm thinking of the other movie. I'm
2: sorry.
1: Yeah, there, that, there's the Hateful Eight. That was a Quentin Tarantino. But there's a Magnificent Seven remake right. that came out last year with uh, you know, all those Denzel Washington and all those guys.
2: Yeah, that just shows you. Don't don't call me for westerns.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, so let's get back. Uh, we don't have a whole lot left of this movie. Um, I just want to say that I'm a sucker for any time someone is dependent on someone else for doing something and they're just like, no, okay, I'm just going to do it myself then. Cause, uh, the Logan is driving them to North Dakota and he's like super beat down at this point. He is tired and in really bad shape. And X 23 is just like, let me drive. Even though I'm just like a little kid. I mean, this kid's like what, 10. And he's like, no, you can't drive. And at one point, She's just, like, tired of having Logan just sleep. And she's like, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to drive. And so she just uh, sits in the driver's seat and just takes off and uh, gets them to their destination. So I, I appreciate that when people just take matters into their own hands. Um, so they make it to Eden, which is actually this does exist, but it, it, it exists as these children who have escaped from Transigen have created this little area, this little place for them to all meet up as escapees before they make the push into Canada. And so uh, everybody's kind of, there's like Richter and a whole bunch of like nameless. If you look in the credits, there's just a bunch of nameless mutants. I mean, it's just like guy that can breathe, whatever, an electricity guy and stuff like that. And you find out that most of them are clones of other mutants like X-23 is Wolverine's clone and um, like probably the electricity guy is Storm's clone and we're not given exactly specifics but we get the idea. Um, there's some, a nice touching scene between X-23 and Wolverine where Wolverine is having nightmares and he gets nightmares because of the people he's hurt throughout his life. So he does have, you know, he, he, he doesn't he's not a huge fan. He's, he's got to this point in his life where He's seen enough violence and pain and hate and he just, he just wants to live out his life, man. But this shit keeps happening.
2: That's And,
1: um, uh, no, go ahead.
2: Uh, I was like, oh, that, that was a good scene when, when he says, uh, I he says something like, you know, everyone I care about dies. Everyone I care about gets hurt. And mm-hmm. X23 was like, I guess I'm safe then. You know, and she just right. walks off and it was like, so like, oh. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, because yeah, at this point, Wolverine is like, okay, I got you your location. I'm going to bail, even though I know you're basically my child, you know, genetically. I don't have any kind of obligation to, you know, anything else. But when he sees, um, you know, the, uh, the, ter- the transigen thugs chasing after these kids that are just trying to get away, he can't, he can't let that stand. And he's gotten this serum which helps you heal because he's, he's all broken down at this point. He is old man. He is, he's staggering around Frankenstein style almost. And he juices himself full of this, this serum that you're not supposed to take all at once. You're supposed to take just a little bit because it's too much is toxic. But he jacks it all into his neck and he, takes off running to catch up to these thugs. And we got our big climax of the movie where these kids are just trying to get away and all these transigen mercenary reaver guys are capturing them. And um, I don't think any of the kids get killed. Do you remember any kids getting killed, Ryan? But they're all
2: attacked and kind of yeah. captured. And, uh, I think it was one, one got killed. It was really quick. Hmm. And one got killed. I don't know if he was captured or killed, but it, it looked like he got killed. But uh, yeah. that's, that's when they, they started fighting back, which I thought was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, we actually get to see them use their powers, which is nice. They didn't do a whole lot each, but there were so many of them. We got some a really nice, satisfying uh, battle between X-24 and Wolverine, who I appreciated that Wolverine was losing every time. Because, you know, you're facing a younger, faster, stronger version of yourself. You're probably going to lose. So yeah, X24 uh, basically kicks his ass, and um, he's also fighting with um, Donald Pierce and all the other Reavers and whatnot. It's a really, it's a, it's a nice little cap ending action scene. Um, yeah, it was awesome.
2: Yeah, I just loved how he was. You know, we got finally got to see Berserker Wolverine. You know, he was, right? You know, he was, he was amped up on those little that steroid stuff he took, and he's like running through the uh, forest, calls out. He, like, I think he howled once. He was like, oh, you heard him coming. He, you know, he's, just, he's just racing through the forest. He's just chopping each one of the uh, Reavers coming from behind. I mean, it was it was a great scene, great action scene.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and then we get uh, the scientist kind of gives this, like, speech, which is, like, br- abruptly interrupted by <laughs> yeah, let's, Wolverine let's just let's shooting not... him in the neck. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He's just like, yeah, yeah, pow. (laughs) Because it's funny, early in the movie, he says, Logan says, I don't like guns. You know, at at that moment, he's like, whatever, man, boom.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's just like, I've had enough of you, buddy. And so then he shoots him, and then uh, Donald Pierce gets uh, summarily killed by all the uh, little mutant kids. And then um, in the previous, let's talk about the, the adamantium bullet a little bit. In the previous movies... Um, We've seen bullets just kind of bounce off Wolverine, uh, off as like a skull or, you know, absorb into him. But in previous movie, there was, I think it was uh, Origins, where there's, uh, which is terrible, of course, it's a shit show. But there's uh, adamantium bullets, which they say, well, those adamantium bullets aren't going to kill you, but they won't kill him, but they'll take away his memories. I just like this yeah. kind of ridiculous line. <laughs> Does not make any sense? But um, yeah, just dumb. But in this movie, the adamantium bullet, he's keeping it as a way to kind of commit suicide at the end when he just had enough, and he's he says it's a like a, a reminder of whatever. But he knows, and then he admits that it's it, no, it was he meant to kill himself. Um, in this movie, at the end, it's actually used by X twenty three. To shoot through and kill and blow the brains out of X-24, which was pretty cool. Um, do you, did you have any issues with the with the adamantium bullet, uh, with it being able to punch through uh, and kill Wolverine's brain now? Somehow, even though in the past yeah. Wolverine can somehow regenerate from you know nothing, but now he can, he's actually vulnerable and like in an X-24 could be killed by a shot to the head.
2: Yeah, I mean you could tell that it was just kind of a plot like a plot tool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they had the animated, animated bullet in X-Men origins, which I think they just tried to ignore that movie. They just act like it never existed, which is fine with me, but yeah, it just, it just knocked Wolverine out in that movie and he lost his memory. But yeah, this one, it like literally blows half his skull off, which I still, even if it was like, from what I know about animanium, they just kind of cancel out each other, you know, Uh but I guess there's, if the bullet is hot, Maybe it can do some damage. I don't right,
1: because in yeah, in the Wolverine, we found out that if you heat up adamantium, you can cut right. through other adamantium, right? In the the, right. the the Silver Samurai, that's what he did. Right. So yeah, I guess we could kind of play around with those kind of physics, or just take it yeah. on the fact that it's a comic book movie, and who cares?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought I thought maybe if they had the bullet kind of go through his head and just kind of explode in his head, it would have mm-hmm. made. I guess physics would have made more sense of it, other than blowing like half his adamantium skull off. I just that didn't make sense to me. I don't know. That's just nitpicking.
1: Yeah, I I, I'm I'm with you. I I if you want to make a really super grounded real movie, I I prefer if you stuck it to a round real physics and whatnot. But at the same time, it's a comic book movie, and you 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 gotta take allow for some plot devices. It's fine. Yeah. So um yeah, that's the end of the movie. Um. Uh, Wolverine gets impaled on this tree, and and he has just had the shit beat out of him, and he ends up dying, and they bury him and uh, put a little X over his grave, and uh, that's the end. But um, yeah, really fitting send off for the Wolverine character. I can see why Logan wouldn't, or uh, you know, Hugh Jackman wouldn't want to come back. I'm sure um all the speculation is about who's going to be playing him in the next movies because you know the the character's not dead. I mean, the Wolverine and the X-Men movies have never cared about continuity and he's too no. popular of a character to just leave dead.
2: So, you know, he's They're, they're just probably they're going to reboot the whole thing in a couple of years. Just, you know, yeah. start completely over with new X-Men. Which I, I mean, I, I don't know. I always felt like they could they could have done better with like some of the X-Men movies. You know, mm-hmm. uh so maybe it'll, it'll maybe a reboot would be good, but I think it's hard. It's gonna be hard to get a new Wolverine. I think Hugh, especially with this movie, he solidified himself as you know the Wolverine. It's just like we look at uh Christopher Reeves as Superman. You know, I think you know, yeah, especially
1: anything. especially for the actor that has to follow this performance. You know, they could have followed you know like X Men Origins Wolverine performance, and you know who really cares? But not that he ever yeah, did a really terrible job. But in this movie, he really killed it. So yeah, the next guy is gonna to have to do maybe like a younger Wolverine, or I don't know, whatever they're gonna to have to do. But
0: well, are they gonna, you know, do the whole transition to a woman thing with the entire Marvel Marvel universe and just reboot everything with women, only women, all, all women all the time?
2: Well, I think. Well, you're going I to mean, they got the, X 23. Yeah, right? I was just about to say they're gonna do the female Wolverine. I think that's, I think that's gonna be where they're going because if you looked in the movie, you know, they were talking to somebody in Canada, like somebody's up there waiting for him and we never got to see who that is. So you might have some kind of new mutants movie where Laura is the leader or something like that. And she's like the new Wolverine or something. I know in the comic books now, like she goes by the name Wolverine, you know? Right. I could see them going that direction.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I I think, if they want to keep this character, this this actress, I thought she did a really good job, and she's only, you know, yeah. whatever. I'm sure they could contract her in for the next 30 years of her life to be playing the yeah. you know, Wolverine <laughs> character forever. Just Harry, Harry Potter
0: her all the way through, like watch her grow up and just
1: develop as a character. Yep. Yeah, and it uh, makes financial sense, especially if uh, she turns into, out to be as, as good of an actress as, as she is in this little one Yeah, as a kid. so. That's about all that I had for the movie. I know we walked through it all. Uh, Ryan, did you have any final thoughts or uh, points that we missed that you want to get to?
2: Uh, not that I can think of. Um I think overall, I think we covered everything. Uh, like I said, it was, you know, it's an awesome, awesome movie. You know, we, nit- we nitpicked a few things, but, I mean, it was so minor. You know, yeah. as-, as a whole, the movie was just, you know, this is all, it had everything he wanted. It had like the emotional, like I was emotional after watching the movie. I was like, man, they killed off Professor X. They killed off Logan and the way he went out, you know, there was no after credit scene where his hands coming out of the grave or nothing like that. <laughs> he's just, yeah, he's dead, you know, he's gone and that's just how it should be, you know, he's, Wolverine is dead and you know, story is done and let it go, you know, I just thought that was fitting. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, I, I, even though I waited through the whole credits, I knew that there wasn't gonna be an after credit scene. And if, if they had done that, it would have betrayed the whole movie. Cause yeah, like some kind of zombie hand coming up out of the grave it would have been just atrocious.
0: Was it, didn't they do after-credits in like all 35 Marvel movies though? Or however many there are? I mean, isn't that like part of their shtick?
2: Well, the, uh, the, the Disney MCU, you know, the Avengers and all that over there under Disney, they do all do, uh, post credit scenes. But uh the X Men and the Mutant franchise is under Fox, so they're a little different. They started to do after credit scenes, kinda, you know, latching on the Mar uh latching on to Disney's coattail or whatever. But uh like Mangold, the director, he finally he had full control over this movie. So, you know, he he said himself, he said in this movie we're not trying to sell Happy Meals or nothing like that. We're just you know, this is the story we want to do. We don't care what the studios think. We don't care, you know, you know, if it doesn't sell, you know, uh, toys or anything like that. We just wanted to make a good movie. You know, so he got his own and
1: story. As, yeah, and as a fan, that's just what I want. I want a good artist to have a vision and to tell the story that they want. I understand that's from right. a financial standpoint, you know, the, there's a like studio. It's really hard for a studio to, like, give a hands-off approach. But right. there's really an issue with movies where – too many cooks spoil the soup, man. They yeah. will yeah, you know, meddle, and, and we saw it with Fantastic Four. I mean, we see it with all these yeah. X-Men, yeah. you know, other movies, and especially with scenes of like Fox, where they don't have, like, this single vision where they just let these this artist really tell the story the way they want to tell it. They they get in, and they meddle, and they go, oh, well, let's focus group the shit out of this movie, and, yeah. Yeah. and they yeah. end up ruining it, and so you, get, you end up getting this mess, Whereas in Logan, you get the single vision that uh, – yeah, it just – it comes through crisp and clean, and you don't get any kind of like – you can tell. You can just tell it was all what the director wanted, and uh, yeah, a breath of fresh air. And uh, Fox, for all their terrible movies that they've made, sometimes they luck into good ones with like Deadpool right. and Logan. And <laughs> yeah,
2: and they learned from Deadpool. But, I mean, I read even after Deadpool, they were – Afraid of doing an R rated Wolverine movie because they were like, hey, you know, Wolverine kids love Wolverine. We want to, you know, at least be PG 13 so kids can go see it. But, but look what happened. It's rated R. It was like the highest grossing movie of the year so far. And it's, you know, it's yeah. already made like $300 million, you know. So look, I mean, most, I mean, a lot of, a lot of X Men fans are like 35, 40 years old like me, you know. So
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're ready for a mature Wolverine, man. We've been ready, but they finally gave it to us, and I think that the box office is responding.
2: Yep. Capitalism.
1: More yeah, business. baby. Serve the market. Give us what we want, and we'll <laughs> we'll respond. <laughs> so I think that's it, Dan. You got any points? Uh, final thoughts? Even though you never saw the movie, but you maybe some thoughts sprouted up from our discussion?
0: Well, I think I blew my load a little earlier with all the uh, ridiculous points I brought up that we didn't have a a solution for. But I will say from a layman's perspective, someone who's not totally versed in the universe and in the lore and this studio does this and that studio does this other thing that um, I expected that there just in all of these movies, there was this after thing, this uh, post credit, you know. Teaser about the next movie, and so it's kind of interesting to to have forgive forgive the language here, but two fucking nerds come on who know this shit <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: and say no, we appreciate that they didn't do that. I mean that that's pretty cool. I think that is a is a testament to how good this this movie actually was, and I'm, I'm glad that it, it was made and that you guys appreciated it. So that's really cool.
1: Yeah, this yeah. is a movie that didn't care about being tied into a, a wider universe. Whereas, you know, usually the studio wants to build this huge universe so that you go and see all the movies. You know, tie ins are huge, not only in comic books, but in TV and now in movies, where they want to build this big universe so that you don't just want to see the latest Ant Man movie or the latest Avengers. You want to see every movie that they make because they all tie in somehow. But this movie was made with a singular vision to tell a singular story. And uh, yeah, just a uh, totally big thumbs up from this guy.
0: You know, it seems as if maybe there's a lesson in that. In, earlier in this episode, you were saying how all the other ones were about, you know, the whole world being destroyed and all these like fin- fantastical uh, adventures and, and saving the universe type things. And this one is more of a honed in individual level thing. And I wonder if there's a lesson in in like maybe it's better to look at the individual. Like the individual is the most oppressed person on earth, right? Like it's not a group, it's not a subset, it's not a, a you know, some segmented population. It's, it's the individual who should be the uh, sovereign, right? Like individuals should be able to decide what they choose to do so long as they're not harming others. And, and so I, I just kind of want to tie that together very loosely at the end here in a uh, sort of no, meandering that's true.
1: way. No, good. No, yeah, good. Uh, individuals, uh, who you can connect with emotionally. So, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I think when anything you look at, it, even if it's like government policy or, uh, you know, anything, any issue we talk about, you know, it's most impactful when you look at it from the scale of the person, you know, from the individual, you know. People like to throw out all these stats, you know. You know, twenty percent, you know twenty percent are gonna lose their health care or you know, but once you focus on the individual, what about the guy that you know, that's you know, making, you know, hundred bucks a week, you know, who's healthy? You wanna force him to purchase health care? You know? Yeah. You could you could connect with that, you know, but but you know, someone else saying, Well, you know, you know, hey, we're gonna force you to buy care, but hey, at least Everybody have health care, you know, and you're looking at a scheme of, you know, we're talking about 350 million people, you know, it's easy to lose track of the actual individual and how he is impacted, he or she. Or
1: yeah, she that's am. the absurdity of government, assuming that uh, one group of people can decide for everybody else what's best for them.
0: It's yeah, the, it's uh, the, the fatal conceit.
1: Yeah, the conceit, absolutely. The idea that central planning is at all moral or justified or even the best way to do things. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there, there was a story that came out recently that was, uh, I think it was at NYU, this professor was putting uh, this performance on of the debates between Trump and Clinton, but they reversed the genders and they expected that uh, people would hate Trump even more uh, as a result of this. But it turned out the opposite to where the, the person who was acting like Trump but happened to be a woman in this scenario was actually far more likable and approachable versus the Clinton who was played by a man this time came off as like snobbish and like an asshole like someone you wanted to punch in the face not not like uh, Richard Spencer style like preemptively Bush doctrine punching a Nazi but because they were actually saying like stupid shit
2: what is with what is with them trying to make Hillary Clinton likable like no she's one the
1: least uh, likable person ever.
0: <laughs> if there's a word for least likable,
2: she'd yeah, win that, like
0: agrees. at the dog show, you know, like least <laughs> likable dog, Hillary Clinton.
2: Yeah. I think everyone agrees with this. Even they, even they, even they who you know voted for her this time. You, 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 I'm sure you could find some comments by these same people saying how much they hate her. Just a couple of years ago. I mean, nobody likes this woman. They just need to stop. You know, like let her go. She lost. Like, can we just let her go into the wilderness? Go and find you someone else, you know, Elizabeth Warren or whoever. Oh know. man, she's terrible.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know.
2: But at least she's new. Terrible, kind of new. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, let leave Clinton alone. Let her go. You know, I, I'm hoping that that whole era of Clinton is just gone forever. You know, I don't want to see her anymore.
0: Yeah, right. I agree. I don't. I don't want to see her on Adirondack trail at the grocery store at a broadway show because she keeps showing up in my news feed like in these random places and i, I yeah I, i've had enough same you yeah but i i just think that this this story was interesting because they they thought ahead of time that um having a man say what she said would be more positive like people would be more drawn to it because it was a man they were they're trying to go with this angle of this whole, like, gender inequality gap bullshit. Right. But it ended up amplifying how terrible she was. And I think that that's uh, a pretty interesting tidbit. I, I don't remember how I got to this segue, but uh, I'm glad I made it because that's a pretty funny little story. I'll, I'll well, post a link to it down, in, down below.
2: It's funny because I always looked at Clinton as she would try to <clears throat> portray herself in a, in a masculine way, you know, like, just the way she, how she talked, like, if she talked about war, she was always the most hawkish of the, you know, quote-unquote left, you know, because I, she's, you, you could tell she's coming at it like, well, I'm a woman, so they think I'm going to be soft on foreign policy, so I need to be extra tough. I need to come off extra tough.
0: Overcompensate. Over, overdo it, over,
2: yeah. And she'd overdo it, and, you know, and that's, I mean, that's why I couldn't stand her, you know. And, you know, she's a warmonger, you know, and she was just, she was no different from McCain and all those guys, you know, if you actually look at what she said and what she did, you know, her actions. So, I mean, the fact that they would think by, yeah, but the fact that they would think by taking her words and, you know, and just have those come out of man, like that would create some kind of different result. That's just, that shows you how stupid they are.
0: Yeah, that's why Trump won, and and I, now I remember why we got into this track. It's because we're talking about the individual versus the the groups or collective, and and I think that the distinction here is that Trump would talk about the individual, like the you know the guy in uh, Philadelphia or in Pennsylvania coal mine, whereas Trump was or Clinton was talking about like this statistic or that statistic or this thing that she did sure. as Secretary of State or as Senator from New York, or as whatever, and people just can't identify with that anymore. And I think that there's a shift away from looking at people in, in groups, at least I hope there is, or at least in the thinking person's uh, perspective, that, you know, it really does come down to the individual. And that's the Austrian, that's libertarian, that's the, you know, that's really the right way to look at things. Like everything else is, is, is an illusion, right? There are trees, there's no forest, right? Trees are a thing. Many trees are a thing. Many trees are called a forest, but they're still trees. A forest is not a thing.
1: Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Individuals are the only thing that exists. It's it's yeah. It's the concepts where we get into trouble when you start collectivizing people and thinking about them in groups and the the conceit that you have the right to decide for other people.
2: Right. No,
1: that's all true,
2: man. Even when you start looking at you know if you want to help people, I mean, we always, that's how we look at, well, how do we help people, you know, in plural? How do we help the poor as if they're this, they're this, you know, this large group of, you know, mindless, like a mindless blob or something like that, you know, yeah. instead of saying how, how can I help this one poor person? Instead of solving homelessness, how would I go to this one homeless guy and just ask him, why are you homeless? You know, how yeah. can, what do we have to do to help you? You know, and maybe you can help, maybe you can't. But you, if you go to each individual, you'll see how complex the whole situation is. You know, you can't solve homelessness with a government program or with a law or with some kind of, you know, distribution of wealth. You know, you, it's it's complex. And any person that thinks they could fix that is obviously, you know, an egomaniac.
0: Yeah. Right, and that's what they accuse Trump of being is an egomaniac. But yeah. And, and, and he is, I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong, like, <laughs> I'm not saying that Trump is a great guy, I'm just saying between the two choices, because we're always only yeah. given two, uh, yeah. he was obviously the more freedom-leaning one, or the one who was speaking more individually, and, and that, that, hit a, that hit a nerve with people, and that made him more likable, not in a, um, you want to hang out with the guy, but you, you trust him a little bit more in not making, like, terrible, terrible decisions. I don't know. I don't know if I'm making much sense here, but...
2: No, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, politically, that that, usually, that those are the people that usually win politically. You know, that, I mean, Reagan, if you look at his old, when he was running back in the day, that's he connected with people. Uh, Bill Clinton, you know, Bill Clinton was terrific at just connecting with the individual, you know. You can say what he want about his policies, but... As a you know, as a as a campaign you know, as a candidate you know, he was terrific at that you know.
0: Yeah, he yeah. could connect with people with and without cigars.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. true. Well, and on that note,
0: we should probably wind this one down.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll talk forever, man.
0: Yeah, well, hey, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, where people can find. More about what you're doing, and uh, if you got any latest projects, let us know about those so that uh, people can follow you and, and learn more about what you're doing.
2: Nah, no, I don't have much going on, but you can always check out my blog at uh, theafrolibertarian.com, or you can check out Actual Anarchy, which is your you guys you know website, which is terrific. I think you guys like, you might have something here because you you know you collected all these different thoughts from you know all these different libertarians, real smart people. Who, you know, who are constantly putting out content. So, sure, i much rather you go to actual anarchy than the Afro-libertarian. Help these guys out. Get some clicks over there. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at, uh, Afro, at Afro-libertarian. And, you know, I tweet every now and then. So give me a follow. And, uh, you know, you need to join the Tom Woods Elite. You know, if you're a Tom Woods show listener, you know, go ahead and pay the minimal five bucks or more and you can join the Tom Woods Elite facebook group and we all just sit there every day and just you know we shoot out ideas and we you know we debate we laugh we we don't just talk libertarian stuff we talk movies we talk music we talk you know we joke around it's just like a fantastic little group so yeah if you want to catch me there or on twitter give me a shout
0: yeah speaking of twitter i mean i i looked at some of the stuff you do and you've got some zingers in there so i i tweeted at you uh I think today, and I, I said you were savage, and so I just want to dispute or dispel any rumors that has any racial intent. It is merely the content of your tweets that are savage, and, and by extension, you are now savage by having the cap- capacity to make such devastating tweets against stupid status arguments.
2: Thank you for clearing it up. <laughs>
0: All right, so Robert, do you want to uh, do a little spiel here at the end here, and then I will do our closing, and we will be done with this show that we did not expect to do about the movie Logan. I just want to
1: thank everybody for listening. Every listen helps out. Every review helps out. Every click, every tweet, every, every message on Facebook, everything you say promoting liberty, promoting individualism, promoting freedom, and promoting us. Uh, It's all helpful, and it all gets back to you in the form of more freedom, and um, and we're just all working together. It's it's fantastic, not in a collective way, in an individual way, but uh, many hands do make light work, and uh, really appreciate you listening to us today. We had a great discussion with the Afro-Libertarian himself, Ryan, about the movie Logan, and uh, yeah, really, I recommend the movie. If you haven't seen it, it's been out for a week now. Go out there. Get out there. Check it out. Um, it's, it's really well shot. Uh, the sound is really good if you can find a theater with good sound. Um, so I recommend it's a, it's a really fast, brutal action. I wouldn't recommend you take your kids to it. But if you're an adult and you've been a fan for Wolverine for a fair amount of time and you just wanted to see that R-rated, swearing, stabbing Wolverine, Uh, This is it in spades. So uh, thanks for listening, my freedom nerds, and uh, take care of yourselves. All
0: right. Well, thank you again, uh, Robert, and thank you, Ryan, for coming on and joining us as our guest for a second time around. We do appreciate it, and uh, you're welcome back any time, even if it's a Western or not. So, uh, we've been the, uh, actual anarchy podcast. So, uh, appreciate you guys checking this out. Uh, actualanarchy.com and readrothbar.com. Click on any of the Amazon links and that'll help support the show. Give us a like, comment, share, review, subscribe, whatever. Uh, and that'll help us, uh, know which direction we should be headed. Uh, also check out the Liberty classroom by Tom Woods. We've got a big link for that on the top right-hand corner of the ActualAnarchy.com, And, uh, We will catch you guys all on the flip side. Thank you very much for joining us, and we appreciate you very much. Peace out, everyone.